Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Facebook has invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. Over the last few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts. Learn more about their ongoing work at about.fb.com safety. Hey everybody, I was thinking about the, uh, the a person from the Bible called Uriah, and Uriah was the wife, excuse me, the husband of uh, Bathsheba, and Bathsheba was the mother of Solomon, along with uh, King David. Now, as the story goes, King David saw Bathsheba uh, bathing. I believe, uh, or he, he observed her from, from his, uh, his position. I don't want to say his castle, but from where he, where he stayed as the king. And he observed her while she was taking her bath, minding her business, basically. And he called for her and had her come and stay in the, uh, in the compound, we'll call it. Now, I don't imagine that she had much choice to this. I imagine she had some choice but i don't think that saying no the uh the outcome would be very good for her or her family so even though she was married she still she still went to the compound and on top of that because david wanted her he wanted to get rid of her husband because she was married at the time her husband being uriah so what he did was he sent uriah to uh there was a, a battle being fought and he sent uriah essentially to the front line direct direct combat where he was guaranteed to be in the most intense combat and he put him there by choice and of course what happened was Uriah was killed and then David took Bathsheba to be his wife and they had Solomon um what I was thinking about in regard to Uriah was there's not much in the Bible that's that's told about Uriah they don't really go into great detail save for the fact that he was the husband of Bathsheba and I, I thought about that because it 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 was so it's every time I read it and every time I thought about it, it was so messed up because he was you know like he was a minor character and he's not the only one there's tons of other people like the the prophet Jonah you only hear this, you know, his story. There wasn't much about him. But in terms of Uriah, all you hear about him is how he was basically just played, just set up to to die just because he found a wife. He found a woman who was very attractive and he he chose to pursue her. And he just because he because he happened to be her husband. So in in most stories you want to you want to have if you're telling a story you want to believe that it was something that you know made that a good deal like oh Uriah was this or he was that and that made it acceptable but there's nothing acceptable they, there was no indication that Uriah did anything wrong or that Uriah was a bad person or even that Uriah was um an enemy of the king or that he didn't follow the precepts of uh the religious precepts at that time or that he was you know uh an individual who was on the outs with the government 
just was a guy who had the um, misfortune of having a wife that the king liked. And it just seemed so arbitrary that his life was just thrown away. And of course, David had to pay, pay for, pay a penalty for doing that. But the penalty wasn't his life. Uriah had to pay his life. And I think that, I think about that type of just injustice because Uriah is gone and that's it. Like there's no, there's no, you know, tribunal about it. He can't discuss it. He can't barter with it. He can't consider, you know, and say, I've done the right things. I've said the right things. This man has a, has a rift against me because of his own lusts and, I don't want to have to pay the price. Like Uriah more than likely had dreams and had hopes and had wants and things that he wanted to accomplish, but none of that came to, well, I don't even know. It it doesn't specify from what I recall how old Uriah was. So I don't even know if he was a very young man or a very old man, but either way, I imagine he had hopes for, you know, for the time when he retired from the military or for, for something. I don't know. But I think about that because in life, um, I had to I had to wrap my mind around certain things that were uh, that were unfair. We'll say things that were unfair that that they just were, and there's nothing like they say things. It is what it is. Is basically. It is what it is in regard to that. Like, they, they just are bad. There is no good to it, but you still have to grow through it. It is just bad and bad and bad. There is no silver lining. There is no sunshine and clouds. It's just bad, and it's going to happen. And I think that those things kind of temper your character. And they temper your character in the regard that you you prepare yourself for you know a the inevitable which is going to happen and b how do you come out of it how do you handle those blows and i think that the story of uriah kind of kind of illustrates that even more apart from your your own personal examples that you have to you have to kind of deal with i'm thinking specifically of a story um from my my personal life i remember when i was a kid maybe like 12 13 something like that uh preteen age i had a me and my brother had our own rooms and we had i forget what the what the details were behind it but for one reason or another um i had the middle room my brother had the back room the back room was a little bit smaller than the middle room so what he decided to do was he drew up a contract that said that I would give him the middle room and that I would take the back room and me not thinking nothing of it. Like I was like, well, whatever, whatever. Cause it was something, something I wanted, like some game or something that he had. And, you know, he said, I'll give you the game. Just give me the back. I'm like, whatever. So I signed his contract. So we get home. Mom, mom gets home later in the day. So it must've been summertime or something. Mom gets home later in the day, and of course, first thing he does is he brings her the contract, shows her I signed it, and said that, yep, he agreed to, we're going to switch rooms, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, whatever. I didn't want to switch rooms. I thought she was going to throw it out, like, hey, you know, it was just for a toy, toss it out. 
But no, to <laughs> to my dismay and to to my mom's credit, she honored the contract and I had to move out my room. <laughs> I had to move out my room. So I was pissed. I was pissed. But I signed the contract. I was heated. But there's nothing I could do because she honored the contract that I signed and I shouldn't have signed it. Da, 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 and she explained all that. But that didn't change the fact that I was heated. So apart from, you know, the inevitable hurt of having to leave my room. And I think he 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 moved the rooms himself because I wasn't going to move it. So he moved everything. <laughs> so apart from being upset about that, I had to I, I learned uh, important lessons there. Number one, I learned my, my first <laughs> my first uh, my first venture into contracts. Number one, don't sign it <laughs> like if it doesn't if it doesn't benefit you, do not sign that contract. So I learned that valuable lesson and the fact that my mom upheld it. I applaud her for doing that because, yeah, I should not have signed that. And that is a lesson I learned that day. And I have never made that mistake again. I will sign nothing. I will I will cancel the deal if I can understand the terms within it or I can't find someone to interpret the terms within it and make sure that they are agreeable for for me, at least or both parties specifically. Uh, so that was a great lesson I learned. And two, how to just eat it and just how to get over it. Because I wasn't bitter at my brother or mad at my brother for a long time. For a little bit, definitely. But not for a long time. And even now, it's funny now because, like, I should have never done that. But it, it's funny now, but it took time. So I guess in in studying the the brief, you know, the brief uh snapshot we got of Uriah and thinking about it personally and how wrong I think it was and how messed up it was I think that you know I think that yes it's wrong and unfortunately for Uriah he couldn't get over the wrong because it was the final wrong it cost him his life but I think about that I think about that and also there's another uh just a brief scripture which talks about uh, Moses and it was uh, God speaking to Joshua and he said, Moses, my servant is dead. And he was telling him to go on to uh, to to lead the people and to make the, the next move. I believe it was Joshua, but just the in in the writing. And I know it it could have just been the writers, but it just felt. It felt so callous, like after all that Moses had, had done and after all that Moses had walked with God, then the, the statement was just Moses, my servant is dead, period. <laughs> and I'm like, dang, like it just it, it felt so cold to me. And both and in both of those stories, you have to decide what will you do? Will you spend your time being angry? Will you spend your time being hurt? Will you spend your time not looking toward the future? And I think the unfortunate part within that is that you have to you have to do all of those. You have to be hurt for the time that you are hurt because you have to get through that emotion and to get through it. You have to be in it. So you have to be hurt for that time. You have to be bothered and you have to be, you know, indignified, <laughs> you know. 
you have to have your righteous indignations because of the perceived wrong. Then you have to, as you can, take steps to moving forward. If that's possible, again, in the case of Uriah, that wasn't possible. But you have to take those steps in regard to moving forward. And I think that's the tough part to re to recover after something big. You have to set small goals and and push toward the greater goal. But I suppose at that point you may have to reevaluate and write down what is the greater goal. And then detail the the very, very small steps you can take towards sub goals, which, of course, all point toward the main goal. So I just I was just thinking about you, It's not the first time I've thought about that or thinking about Moses, that scripture regarding Moses. And it's not the first time I've thought about that, but it's just something I just wanted to talk about today because it was on my mind in just how how it felt when I first read it, and even when I read it to this day, it still feels, it just, it just rings like, ah, man, dang. So just those thoughts on, you know, recovering from a great wrong. And I, I could talk more about this later, I guess, because there's a bunch of different facets to it, you know, thinking about, you know, the, the, the purse, the persona or the, the mind state of God. So that's a bigger topic, but maybe I'll maybe I'll talk about it or maybe I'll talk about my thoughts at a later date. But anyway, uh, have a great 2021 now. So talk to you later. Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. Over the last few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety.